Happy Memorial Day weekend and welcome to the historic Lindsley Avenue Church of Christ message. I am so grateful that you're joining us today and I hope that today will be an encouraging message for you. I'm thankful for the freedoms that I have in this country, that I'm able to, to speak on Facebook and to proclaim uh, the beautiful message of Jesus today. And we owe that to our fallen soldiers. We owe that to our living soldiers as well. So I'm thankful uh, for all of our service men and women out there. Thank you. And we're especially mindful of those who have fallen. And when I think about Memorial Day, I think about how I'm prone to forget things. I need reminders. And so I'm thankful for this holiday to help remind me of what others have done for me. And I hope that you will remember uh, this weekend what others have done for you. I'm also reminded of this amazing example of altruistic acts, that the American soldier dying for our freedom, giving their lives so that we might have uh, a life of freedom and of prosperity. And so I'm humbled by that. And I'm also reminded that someone did something for me uh, that didn't even know my name, didn't even know your name, but did an amazing act of courage. And so we're truly blessed to have servicemen and women like we do in the United States of America who do so much and who have given so much uh, for all of us. So happy Memorial Day. Reflect on that. Think about the character of our soldiers, their courage, their diligence, and, uh, and just how special we are in this country. Today I want to talk to you about Jesus, and in particular, just how unique Jesus is. Many historians have commented that Jesus is the centerpiece to history. But sometimes when I hear people talking in conversations and when I hear people think about Jesus, then sometimes I hear that, you know, we begin to put Jesus into this group of thinkers and teachers and philosophers of antiquity. And sometimes Jesus just kind of becomes one of the guys back then. And today I want to offer a few reasons why Jesus is truly unique, not only to history, but to your life. When I think about those teachers and philosophers from antiquity, there is certainly truth found in what some of them say. And sometimes there's even great truths in what they say. But Jesus occupies a very unique place in the place of history and in your life. Some of those thinkers like Confucius, maybe. One time he said, real knowledge is to know the extent of one's ignorance. And that is true that before you can begin to have any sort of knowledge, you have to understand just how ignorant 
You are. Otherwise, you won't have the desire to learn anything else. And sometimes we call people who are unable to learn incorrigible. And so we have to have a heart and a mind that's willing to learn. Or maybe like the teacher Socrates said, the unexamined life isn't worth living. And that the true thinker, the true seeker, is someone who assesses themselves. And certainly that's true. Or maybe the words of Buddha who said this, three things cannot be long hidden, the sun, the moon, and the truth. Wow. I would have to agree with that that the truth has a way of winning eventually. It may not win the day, but it will win the war. The truth is always the truth, and you can't hide it forever. And the truth is also exclusive. The truth by nature is exclusive. If you assert one thing, that means the opposite is untrue. And the truth cannot be hidden forever. It's like the sun and the moon. Or maybe the words of Muhammad, who said, trust Allah, but tie your camel. Talking about human responsibility. Sometimes we can put all the responsibility into God's court, forgetting that God has expectations and responsibilities for me. I can trust God, but I've, I've also got to tie my camel. I've got to take responsible for my home and what God has given me. Or maybe Moses, who said by inspiration, God administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Wow, such beautiful words, such beautiful truths. But then when you come to Jesus, you have such phrases as this, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, there's these ancient figures who taught wisdom, and we have the recordings of their sayings, but Jesus represents so much more. One time Albert Einstein said this, I am a Jew, but I am enthralled by the luminous figure of the Nazarene. Jesus is too colossal for the pen of the phrase mongers, however artful. No man can read the Gospels without feeling the actual presence of Jesus. His personality pulsates in every word. No myth is filled with such life. Theseus and other heroes of his type lack the authentic vitality of Jesus. When you begin to read the New Testament, when you begin to read the Gospels, a very unique personality emerges. In fact, 
One of the strangest things that happens when Jesus is dying on the cross is a confession. A confession not from one of the disciples of Jesus, but actually from one of the team of executioners, a centurion in Mark chapter 15, 39. And it says, Now when the centurion who stood opposite of him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man is the Son of God. Isn't that a strange confession during Jesus' death? So what are some unique things about Jesus? What would compel a centurion to confess Jesus' deity? Well, the first thing that I want to suggest to you today is one of the unique things about Jesus is, number one, is his self-understanding. Who did Jesus believe that he was? And when we begin to look at what the Gospels present to us, Jesus believed in a certain identity for himself. And identity is important, isn't it? You know, in recent years, we have begun to find out just how important identity is. If identity isn't important, would you like someone to take um, your license and Social Security for the weekend? No, because identity matters, doesn't it? Who we are matters, and who Jesus is matters. And the Gospels reveal that Jesus' self-understanding is fundamentally different than from every other person that's ever walked the earth. Number one, when he talked about his existence, he talked about his pre-existence. A lot of times when I think about my own life, I think about the year I was born. But listen to the words of Jesus in John chapter 8. He says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. When, when the, those who heard that, they said, Wait a minute, Father Abraham... You're not even 50 years old, Jesus. And he said, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus' self-understanding was very, very unique. In fact, he believed that he existed before he was born, that he was around during the days of Abraham, and he also uttered those words, which were synonymous with Yahweh in Exodus chapter 3, he says, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus also forgave sins. Remember when the disciples and, and some of those folks in the Galilee brought the paralytic to Jesus, they lowered him through the roof of the house, and Jesus said those words, those words of lightning, those electric words, he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. Well, the religious leaders that were surrounding Jesus and watching, 
knew that there is only one person who can forgive sins on this scale. And they said to Jesus, who can forgive sins but God alone? And then Jesus responded, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or arise, take up your bed and walk. Jesus confirming his authority to forgive sins by causing the paralytic man to walk. Who alone can forgive sins? Who alone can make a man walk who was paralyzed? And also, Jesus referred to himself in the Gospels many, many times as the Son of Man, referring back to Daniel chapter 7, who is called the Ancient of Days and whose kingdom would be from everlasting unto everlasting. And Jesus, when he was on trial with the Sanhedrin, said in Luke chapter twenty-two, sixty-nine: 69, Hereafter you will see the Son of Man. He will sit on the right hand of the power of God. And those Pharisees of the Sanhedrin ask, Are you then the Son of God? And he said, you rightly say that I am. You see, Jesus had an understanding of himself that's much different from what other teachers have thought of themselves. And our eternal salvation depends on who we think he is, on who we know he is, except that you believe that I am he, Jesus says you will die in your sins. So who did the disciples believe that Jesus was? Remember when Thomas confessed, when he saw the risen Jesus in John chapter 20, verse 28, he said, my Lord and my God. Identity matters. It says in Colossians 1.15 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is our representation and through him all things were created through him and for him. And the very unique thing about Jesus is is that he had this powerful sense of identity, of who he was as being one with the Father. If you have known me, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father, that I and the Father are one. But also coupled with that sense of profound identity is of humility, an endearing humility. It says that he made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men. And there we find Jesus in John chapter 13, the great I am, the ancient of days, the creator, one with the Father washing the disciples' feet. So Jesus' understanding of who he was is much different than what other prophets and teachers thought themselves to be. Number two, the unique thing about Jesus is, is his unparalleled message of love. You see, Jesus' message of love 
is so dramatic and all of the law is taught in terms of love. Remember that the, the people came to him, what are the two greatest commandments? To love God with all your heart and your mind and your soul and to love your neighbor as yourself. On these two, all of the prophets in the law hang. In fact, his message of love was so great that a Greek word agape became a word and identified with the Christian ethic of love. Jesus changed the word love forever. And his calling to love is so much more than any other teacher who has ever lived. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue and take your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless them who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. You see, Jesus defined love in an unusual, unique way. In fact, so unique that the church has wrestled with this ever since Jesus has said it. And so has the world. How can we love our enemies? I'm reminded of a story that came out shortly after that dark day that happened here in the United States in Charlottesville. And there was a man by the name of Ken Parker who had such a depraved hate within him. In fact, he said he was there at Charlottesville during those riots. He said, I was a grand dragon of the Ku Klux Klan and then the Klan wasn't hateful enough for me, so I decided to become a Nazi. But during that day at Charlottesville, he was shown kindness by an African-American filmmaker. And then later he met a minister and he repented and was baptized. And he said, I want to say, I'm sorry. I do apologize. I know I've spread hate and discontent through this city immensely. Probably made little kids scared to sleep in their own beds and in their own neighborhoods. But love, love for an enemy changed him. The power and ethic of Jesus's love changed him. And that unique message of love is found not only in the teachings of Jesus, but in Jesus himself. And this you will know if you're my disciples, 
if you have love one for another. So Jesus's self-understanding is unique. Jesus's message of love is unique. But also, number three, Jesus's vicarious death on the cross. Not only was Jesus's teaching true, but also his death was too. You know, many people have been martyred in times past, but Jesus was not martyred. No one in the history of humanity has this kind of meaning associated with their death. That, they, that Jesus spiritually gave his life for you. You know, we were talking about those soldiers who did the unthinkable, who gave their lives for our freedom and were grateful. But Jesus gave his entire life for your eternity. We see this happen in Jesus's life in the very backdrop of the Jewish sacrificial system during Passover. And the reason why Jesus died and shed his blood was because in his blood is life. Leviticus chapter 17, verse number 11 says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, it says in the law, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. And you see, Jesus's death is that vicarious death, that substitution, that atonement for our sins. And when we ask the question of these teachers and of these thinkers and of these philosophers, who has died for your sins? And the answer is only one. And his name is Jesus. I remember one time I was hearing an orthopedic surgeon and he was talking about how blood was the catalyst for healing. And he said, blood is needed. And he said this for both physical and spiritual healing. And Jesus shed his blood for you. And also when we think about the uniqueness of Jesus, we have to also think about his victory over death and the resurrection. Of all the names that we can name down through history, there's only one that you can't find a tomb for. Peter Marshall, the great minister, put it like this. No tabloid will ever print the startling news that the mummified body of Jesus of Nazareth has been discovered in old Jerusalem. Christians have no carefully embalmed body enclosed in a glass case to worship. Thank God. We have an empty tomb. The glorious fact that the empty tomb proclaims to us is that life for us does not stop when death comes. Death is not a wall. 
but a door. And so the greatest vindication and validation of who Jesus is and his teaching is the fact that he didn't stay dead, that he was raised from the dead. And then lastly, if all of these unique things weren't enough, Jesus is still working in the lives of millions. Isn't that an amazing thing? That after 2,000 years, Jesus is still working in the lives of believers. For lo, I am with you always, he said, even until the end of the age. God sent us a savior. Sometime, one time, someone once said, if our greatest need would have been for information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need would have been technology, he would have sent us a scientist. If it was money, he would have sent us an economist. If it was pleasure, he would have sent us an entertainer. But it was forgiveness that we needed. And that's why God sent us a savior. And his name is Jesus. And just as we have Memorial Day to remind us of what others have done for us, the first day of the week is also a Memorial Day where we are reminded through bread and wine of the suffering of our Savior, the life, death, and resurrection of our Savior. So at this time, Will you pray for me as I bless the bread which represents the body of Jesus? Father, thank you for the blessing of today. Thank you for this bread. Help us to remember. Help us to reflect. Help us to never forget what you have done for us in Jesus, that you have emancipated us from sin, and that you love us. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. And we're reminded just as we spoke about earlier in Leviticus 17:20 that there is an atonement for the soul in the life of the blood. And Jesus shed his blood for you. Father God, thank you for this cup which represents your son's blood that cleanses us from sin. Thank you for that blessing. Through Jesus we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. And just reflect this week on how unique and sublime and wonderful Jesus is. And I encourage you this week not to forget how wonderful he's been to each of us. And that he's still work and still alive in the life of his believers. Bless you this week. May God's face shine upon you. And may you know his peace. God bless you. We love you.